Our reading this evening is from 2 Timothy, and it's chapter 3. And that can be found in the Pew Bibles on page 1196. So that's 2 Timothy, chapter 3. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of the pleasures rather than of lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, having nothing to do, have nothing to do with them. They are the kind whom warn, sorry, they are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women, who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning, but never able to acknowledge the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these men oppose the truth. Men of deprived minds, who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far, because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, <coughs> what kinds of things have happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Turn back to um, 2 Timothy chapter 3. So we can look at that together and let me... um pray for us. In those verses uh, we've just read, we've uh, read that all of God's word is useful to make us wise uh, for salvation. And so Heavenly Father, we um, pray that as we look at these uh, words, you'd give us uh, minds that can understand uh, what this passage means for us so that we may be wise uh, for salvation in the Lord Jesus. We ask that in his name, for his glory. Amen. Well, a little competition for you. I'm going to read out some names uh, and see if you can work out uh, why. Abigail, Barney, 
Cloda, Desmond, Eva, Frank, Gertrude, Henry, Imogen, Jake, and Katie. Anyone know the answer? Storms. Storms. They are all names of storms. Uh, they do all start with letters from the alphabet as well, whoever said that. <laughs> Although most words do. Um, but, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> they're the names of, of storms that have hit the UK uh, over the last year or so. Uh, and maybe you can remember some of the pictures that we saw uh, in Basingstoke over in um, Buckskin. Uh, or a few years ago of uh, those helico helicopter shots on the news uh, of whole communities, towns, villages completely flooded. Uh, or if you prefer YouTube, uh, the videos of bridges uh, and railways uh, being ripped away by the sea or by a river. And in some tragic cases, uh, there were lives uh, that were lost, weren't they, to uh, strong sea currents and gale force uh, winds. We were on holiday uh, near Nuki just a couple of weeks ago uh, and the same day that that um, family was swept out to sea, uh, we were just on the beach, uh, just next to it. I'd been out in a, a kayak with my dad and with my brother. Uh, and because of that great wave, uh, sadly, that man and his daughter have died. And we're told that due to our uh, warming world, we ought to expect to receive more of the same kind of thing. Which means you need to be ready for the following people or storms. Lawrence, Mary, Nigel, Orla, Phil, a Welsh contribution of Rhonda, Steve, this one's my favourite, Tegan, Vernon and Wendy. Tegan, the storm, look out for him. Obviously, uh, this evening, I don't really want to talk to you um, about the weather forecast. We're thinking about a much more serious uh, message from Paul, about what the future holds for Christians. He's writing to a guy called Timothy, who was a young church leader. And we're going to see uh, two things that he says to him. Firstly, that there is a very severe and serious spiritual weather warning ahead. That is that Christians can and must expect very difficult times before Jesus returns. And the second thing is that in the midst of all of that, Christians need to continue to stand firm. Now, Paul was writing to Timothy, a young church leader, who had been facing something of a spiritual storm. There were false teachers around who were changing the gospel message uh, to fit in with what popular culture wanted to hear. There were some very ungodly leaders in the church. They were setting bad examples of what living as a Christian looked like. And there was the constant presence of persecution. It might sound a little bit familiar. Now, all of these things were com combined, were battering at the church. And they were pulling people away from the safety of the gospel, just like they do today. Now, Timothy has so far weathered the storm. He's stayed faithful. But Paul doesn't want him to think that he's made it to become complacent. Paul's weather warning is that the presence of false teaching and godly living, persecution are only going to continue. The spiritual storm is not going to blow over anytime soon. In fact, it's only going to finish when Jesus comes back. 
And so before we start thinking about standing firm, which is uh, the main message from verses 10 to 17, we need to look at verses 1 to 9, where Paul teaches uh, Timothy, in the last days, Christians must expect difficult times. Have a look back at verse 1 with me. He says, but mark this. Jot this down. Remember this. This is a bullet point to write down on your service sheet, Timothy. There will be terrible times in the last days. A more literal translation of that verse says, understand this. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Now, the last days in the Bible aren't just the last a few 24 hours, our days. It's the period between when Jesus rose from the dead and when he returns to judge the world. We are in the last days. And whilst we have an amazing hope in the Lord Jesus, Paul warns Christians that in the here and now, we need to expect difficult times. And did you notice why? The problem is people. Verses 2 to 9, three things about them. Firstly, they're self-centered people. Verse 2 tells us they are lovers of self. Uh, And verse 4 tells us at the end of that list of what they're like, that they're not lovers of God. If you like, you might like to think of them as hedgehogs. Bear with me. (laughs) They curl up in on themselves into a soft, warm, comfortable ball. And everybody else around them just gets painful spikes if they go anywhere near them. I wonder if you know somebody like that. Secondly, though, they are religious-looking people. Perhaps a bit of a surprise. The people, Paul says, they're not the people out in the world you need to be careful of, although we do need to be careful These guys are in the church. Look at verse 5. They have the form of godliness, but they deny its power. These are people who go to church every week. They sing hymns. They say amen. They put money in the plate or transfer it online. They are people who are like a rotten egg. Their shell looks incredibly religious, but their insides, their hearts, are rotten. They're like the Pharisees. They honour God with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. And if you look back through uh, that, those list of words that we read uh, between verses two, well, in verse 2 uh, to verse 4, you can see that, can't you, in the way that they live their lives. These were the kind of people Timothy faced. They picked on weak and vulnerable people, the gullible people, the easily swayed people, uh, these weak-willed Uh, women that we read about. It's quite likely they were uneducated, these particular women as well. And so these people looked religious, all right, but they took advantage of people's souls. And did you see the state of those people they tried to creep up on? Verse 7, they left them always learning, but never able to arrive at a knowledge of the saving truth of the gospel. So you've got hedgehogs, rotten eggs, The third characteristic is that these men oppose the truth. Paul gives us a little illustration in verse 8 to 9. Yanis and Yambres, I think that's how you say their names, who opposed Moses. Do you remember the magicians uh, in the Exodus story? 
who opposed Moses during the first few plagues, rather than accept God's rather serious message, they oppose his messenger. And that is what Paul says these types of people will do when it comes to the gospel today. They will oppose what the Bible clearly says. In particular, they will oppose Paul and the apostles and what they taught. Now, they probably won't stand up uh, here and uh, protest with placards, but they will subtly change and alter God's gospel to suit them and to suit the culture, to please people, to fill the pews. Paul says these people, did you notice they're corrupt? They're counterfeit Christians. And you know what? The devil loves to use people like that in church. If you like, these are the secret agents of the devil. He puts them inside the church and leaves them intent on pulling it apart from the inside. They are very deceptive. And because they're on the inside, in churches, maybe even like St. Mary's, we need to be incredibly discerning. You see, just because somebody has a microphone at the front of church, or just because they're at a big Christian conference speaking, or just because they've got a Bible in their hand, or just because they've got great illustrations, or they're really funny, or you heard them ten years ago, it doesn't mean they're actually teaching you God's truth. It's very religious people, isn't it? The people you wouldn't expect who oppose the truth. Now, thankfully, at St. Mary's, the people who teach you God's word are faithful. But you still need to be discerning. You need to double-check what the Bible actually says. One of my favourite moments in youth group uh, was when we were teaching on something similar to this, and I asked all of the, the young people uh, and the, the youth leaders to turn to the book of Hezekiah. They all flicked in their Bibles, and after a little while, all of the young people and all of the leaders realised that there isn't a book called Hezekiah. It was really quite amusing, and the leaders always now uh, will know that forever. <laughs> Hezekiah is not a book uh, in the Bible. But it's good to check, isn't it? It's good to check that what you're being told is actually what the Bible is saying. When you're hearing a sermon, when you're hearing uh, a talk, is the person teaching you what the Bible actually says? Is it what the apostles taught? Is it what Jesus taught? Or is it something different? Paul says there will be these people who do that. Now I've said those things to help you to spot them so that you can avoid them, so you aren't taken in by them, and so that you don't become like them. When I was uh, in youth group, I remember going on a weekend away, and um, we didn't have a speaker, we had a video. It was a VHS video, actually. Um, some of you might need to ask me what that is afterwards. But um, it was by, um, I won't mention um, his name, uh, but many of you will know him. He was a great communicator to young people, uh, and he did some excellent talks uh, on sex and relationships. I found it a really, really helpful weekend away. But then when I was at university, uh, I found out he'd gone on to teach that Jesus didn't really die in my place on the cross to take my sin and punishment. He'd ripped out the heart of the gospel and just told me that Jesus dying was an example of how to love people. 
We need to be discerning. But we mustn't be uh, distressed. Uh, seeing people uh, like this in church, uh, or leading a church sometimes, or taking a church astray, might worry us, and it might distress us. Uh, that, in many ways, is a good re- reaction in one sense. But we needn't to be fearful about the future if we see lots of these people doing this. We needn't be scared if we're in the minority. Did you see what Paul says about people like this? He says they won't get very far. They might cause some damage, yes. They might pull some people away from the Christian faith. But they're not going to get very far. Those two guys, Janus and Jambres, they managed to turn water into blood. And they even brought frogs out of the Nile. But do you remember what happened next? They couldn't do gnats. I love that bit. They couldn't do gnats. How embarrassing would that be? You couldn't do gnats. They didn't get very far. Uh, And no one who opposes the gospel ever will. You only need to read the book of Acts, don't you? Uh, And take a brief sweep of church history to see that no level of opposition will ever get in the way of the gospel from getting exactly where God wants it to be. Isn't that a wonderful uh, thing to think about? Now that doesn't mean that life will be easy. Uh, If you're a Christian, you need to expect difficult times, Paul says. For 2,000 years, Paul's been right, hasn't he? Christians have and do face exactly the same challenges today as Timothy did. John Stott uh, comments that Paul's list of what people are like is a remarkably apt portrayal of the so-called permissive society which genuinely tolerates every conceivable deviation from Christian standards of righteousness and truth, and whose ethos has crept into the church. I quote John Stott because I couldn't put it any better than that. I'll give you a few uh, examples of that in a moment. But if you are a Christian, particularly at, at the younger end of the scale, where perhaps it's not got too stormy for you uh, just yet, you need to take notes of this serious serious spiritual weather warning for your Christian life. There are going to be times where it gets tough, and you need to know so that you're prepared when it comes. You see, we're not supposed to be people who are blown around and carried away by all that's popular and trending. Paul tells Timothy, in the midst of this spiritual storm he faces, he's to keep boldly standing out. His message in verse 10 to 15 is to continue to stand firm in the faith. Yes, difficult times will come, but we're to stand firm. I'm going to read from verse 10, and I'm going to read from uh, the ESV version, because I think it's a little bit more helpful in its translation. He says, You, however, have followed my teaching, Timothy, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, Antioch, at Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived." Paul says, Timothy, you are different 
to these guys. He's got three really important characteristics. Firstly, did you see he's following Paul, Paul's teaching, not the teaching of these false teachers. Secondly, he's following the godly example of Paul. He's not just going along with what the world says is okay behavior for a Christian. Lastly, he's followed in the footsteps of Paul when it comes to persecution. He stood firm. He's got a faith that perseveres even when it gets hard. Now many people, I mentioned this uh, this morning, they crumble when difficult times come. A bit like a sandcastle does uh, when a wave hits it. They prefer an easier, more PC, more culturally acceptable gospel message. They prefer a gospel that doesn't make demands on their life, on their attitudes, on their choices. They prefer to be comfortable rather than be labelled a bigot by the world. Timothy, though, is not a sandcastle Christian. He's a rock that has stood unmoved. Now, there's a little bit of an overlap here with some of the things that I mentioned this morning because the three characteristics Timothy has are what mark out a genuine Christian. And so if you're someone this evening, and I know many of you are, who are holding fast to Paul's teaching, you're following or seeking to follow his godly example, and you persevere when you suffer, well, be encouraged that you are standing firm. Be really uh, encouraged. It's positive evidence that you are a genuine believer of the Lord Jesus. In particular, be really encouraged if you're persevering with Paul's teaching and example and you're getting a hard time for it, maybe at school uh, or at college particularly. It's easy when it's easy, isn't it? But it's hard when you get a hard time. Notice how much Paul talks about his persecutions here. It's quite a lot of those verses, isn't it? He knows it's one thing to believe the right thing and live the right way when things are going well, but it's another thing altogether when it gets tough. Now, when I was uh, growing up, as if that was a really long time ago, uh, many people uh, were very, very passionate about following Manchester United. Uh, but now the 20-something years under Alex Ferguson, Sir Alex Ferguson sorry, uh, is over. Now the trophies have completely dried up. I'm going to enjoy this. Uh, Now the class of 92 have all left. Now the treble year of 1999 is 17 years ago. It's all gone a little bit quieter, hasn't it? Now I won't gloat anymore, but it's true, isn't it, that you will soon find out who's a genuine follower when times get tough, when people get ridiculed or laughed at or scorned. And as a lifelong Derby County fan in the South, I know all about what that feels like. (laughs) To be honest, whether you're in the South or not, doesn't really make much difference. Uh, Seriously, though, uh, you find out the genuineness of someone's faith by whether they stand firm when times get tough. And Timothy has. And Paul is encouraging him. Well done, Timothy. You're standing firm. I can see that. But Paul also warns him not to get complacent. A few weeks ago, uh, I was walking the dog uh, along the beach, uh, and I enjoyed a little moment. There was a little boy, and he was making a, and he'd made a sandcastle, and he'd made a little wall to protect it from the sea. Uh, and um, the, the tide was coming in, 
Uh, and the first wave, it was barely a wave, really, but it just literally touched uh, the front of his wall. And this kid threw his spade down, and he was elated because his sandcastle was still stood up. <laughs> the front wall hadn't even moved um, at all. When I walked back uh, along the beach, he wasn't quite so happy. He'd survived the first wave, but you know what happened next, right? Look at four, verse 14. Paul says, as for you, continue. Don't put your spade down. Continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which you are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. As the pressure builds uh, to give up completely or to compromise, Timothy is to continue in what he learnt and believe from Paul. He's not to move to some new version of Christianity that fits a bit better with what people want to hear, to make something a little bit more acceptable to our country at the moment. That's the pressure, isn't it? Isn't it the pressure of uh, the church to accept and celebrate, uh, promote sexual relationships between people outside of God's mandate for marriage? Isn't it the pressure to deny the idea that we are sinful that God is angry with us? Isn't it the pressure uh, to go along with a culture that says any way you want to be the way, the truth and the life is fine if that's what you want it to be? Isn't it the pressure to believe that uh, we can be forgiven but we don't really need to change how we behave because, well, God will just forgive you anyway. Let me quote again from uh, John Stott. It's perhaps never been more needed than today when men boast of inventing a new Christianity with a new theology and a new morality, of all which betoken a new reformation. To be sure, the church of every generation must seek to translate the faith into the contemporary idiom, to relate the unchanging word to the changing world. But a translation is a rendering of the same message into another language. It is not a fresh composition. Yet this is what some modern people are doing, setting forth ideas of God and of Christ, which Jesus and his apostles would not have recognized as their own. The apostles themselves constantly warned their readers of newfangled ideas and called them back to the original apostolic message. I could have just read out the rest of John Stott's commentary to you. That is the spiritual storm uh, that we face, just like Timothy did. And like him, we need backbone and boldness to continue in what we've learned and believed in, the apostolic faith. That's why we say the creed every week. It helps us to remember what we believe. Of course, uh, we need to find ways to communicate, don't we, in helpful and engaging ways, but we must never change the message and Paul gives Timothy two reasons as to why he is to continue to stand firm in the message that Paul told him. Have a look. Uh, the first one is this. He says, continue in the faith, knowing from whom you learned it. Timothy heard the gospel from Paul. But Paul wasn't just anybody. Just flick back to chapter 1, uh, verse 1. 
He starts his letter by saying, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Paul set aside by God to tell people the truth about the gospel. He's an eyewitness of the resurrected Jesus. He was commissioned to share the gospel. So this is not Paul's message. It's God's message. Like the other apostles, Paul was sent out by Jesus to preach God's gospel. And so the real gospel is the one Timothy heard from Paul. And just like back in the Exodus, uh, when the truth of God that could bring about rescue for his people came from Moses, the truth from God that brings about rescue for people today comes from Paul and the other apostles, which came from Jesus, of course. It doesn't come from any other gospel that false teachers will tell you. And so if you ever hear a different message from the one that Paul and the apostles taught, it isn't God's message. And you shouldn't buy it, and you shouldn't sell it. Continue in the faith, knowing from whom you learned it. Paul, the apostle, set aside by Jesus. The second thing is this, though. He says, continue in the faith, knowing it's the saving message of the whole Bible. That's not quite what he says. I've summed it up uh, for you. But we're told, aren't we, Timothy's always been taught the scriptures. If you read earlier on in Timothy, you'd find out his mum uh, and his grandmother, they'd brought him up with it. He'd grown up through the children's groups, uh, through Pathfinders uh, and Cypher. He knew that the Old Testament was one big arrow, all pointing towards Jesus. He knew Jesus was the answer. He was the saviour and lord of the world. And he knew because he'd been faithfully taught the Bible. He knew that Jesus was the one who God had sent into the world to rescue him. The one who had authority, the one he should listen to, who he should believe in, who he should obey. And Paul's saying, you know that, Timothy. You know the truth from the whole of the Bible. So stick with it. Continue with it. Now, you'll know Anna and I are preparing to leave uh, this week. Uh, And we're very sad. I mentioned lots of uh, good things about you uh, this morning. I won't say them all again. Uh, You can listen to them online if you want to. Um, If you want to feel good about yourself and hopefully be a little bit challenged. Um, I mentioned a lot of things uh, this morning. But the best thing, I think, and the most vital thing about this church is that as a church, you're taught about Jesus Christ from the whole of the Bible. Anybody of any age who's been here for any period of time will know that the way to know God, the way to be forgiven, the way to have the hope of eternal life is found through repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus. And you'll know that because you've been taught the Bible. You've been made wise for salvation because you've been taught the Bible. And I really hope that you can uh, appreciate the great gift God's given you in the faithful teaching that you get here, particularly from uh, people like Clive in the main services uh, and Caroline with the children, Steve uh, and all the other youth leaders and plenty others as well. And like so many churches in our country today, you know the saving message of the Bible. When tough times come, don't give up on that. And don't just stand still either. Paul says, continue. Continue to stand firm. Do it by sticking to what God has said through scripture and through his apostles. That means you need to know the gospel. 
Know it from the people who taught you it, and know it from the Bible. Now, as I come to a close, I need to finish, I'm going to finish with a couple of questions. The first one is this. When this spiritual storm sets in, which actually it has already, hasn't it? How is it that you're going to continue to stand firm? If you've had a great time on summer camps and you're about to go back to school, or you have a great time helping out at Holiday Club this week, which I'm sure you will, you're sad not to be here for it, after that, when you go back to normal life, how are you going to continue to stand firm? Or if you go back to uni, or particularly if you go back for the first time, and you're bombarded with a whole bag of temptations and different options of churches to go to or not go to, how is it you're going to stand firm? Uh, when you work wherever you work and you're faced with increasingly uh, hostile messages towards you, Christians, the gospel message. Uh, as a church, uh, when the pressure to conform to what many in particularly the Church of England at the moment want you to conform to, how are you going to stand firm? How are you not going to be swept away? Well, here's the first answer. Paul says, we stand firm simply by clinging tightly to what we know is the truth from God, what can make us wise for salvation in the Lord Jesus, the apostles' teaching, which is the message of the whole of Scripture. Verse 16, isn't this a great verse? Verse 16 and 17, all Scripture is God-breathed out by God. It's come from God itself. The Bible you have in your hand is what God wants to say to you, is what God has said. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The only way you're going to be able to stand firm, the only way you're going to grow to be mature and complete, the only way you're going to keep going when it gets tough is by listening to God's voice in the Bible. The only place you can be sure he's speaking to you is in the Bible. So know what he says and don't listen to any other voice that contradicts it. It's come from the mouth of God himself, written down by men. And it's there to make you complete and mature Christian who will be wise for salvation and who will stand the test of time and will one day stand in glory with the Lord Jesus. The last question, though, I leave you with this. this. As you battle with what is this uh, ongoing spiritual storm, will you resolve to stand firm? Are you going to cling tightly to the gospel? the gospel that Paul and the other apostles preached. You probably aren't particularly worried about Lawrence and Mary and Nigel and Rhonda and Tegan and whoever else it was. The most important thing is not really whether you need sandbags at your front door or whether your roof is going to be damaged by a storm. What really matters is that you stand firm and continue to hold fast to the gospel. That is the only thing that will save you. When I pray, that will be the case for all of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again that your word is able to make us wise for salvation. We thank you that we have it here 
in black and white before us. We pray that you would make us wise in all the battles and challenges that we face ahead. And would you help us and strengthen us and encourage us to stand firm and to not be moved. We pray it so that no one here uh, this evening uh, would be washed away by all the challenges and difficulties that we face. We ask in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.